It's time for the Happy Half Hour with your friends, Kristen Balboni, Will Bryan, and Darren Gant. Welcome to a special edition of the Happy Half Hour. We're calling it the Senior Edition for the Senior Bowl. But really, I mean, if you really think about it, pretty much every episode of this podcast is is senior. Right, right Darren? I, I just got called old, and I don't appreciate it, but I'm going to move on because I'm a professional journalist. Okay. Well, I won't ever tell anyone to read your mailbags again since you just kind of <laughs> lean into it there. So yeah, no more plugs for you. Yeah. All right. Well, it's it's old because I'm in central time in Alabama, and I'm not quite sure what day or time it is. So, you know, con- abstract concepts like time have lost all meaning for me right now. By the beauty of the Internet. Darren is in Mobile. Am I saying that right? Did I say it right? Mobile. 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 You lean into the beal rather than the mo. Got it. That that's somewhat similar to when I was calling in from where was it in the outskirts of North Carolina in our favorite little, yeah that's it one the Conto town. Um. So anyway, Darren has been doing some journalism, doing the real, the big J journalism down in Alabama, covering all of the prospects. We'll get to some of that here in a second. But Darren, first, I want to get your rapid reaction, which you are so good at doing, to the new Washington Commanders. Immediate thoughts. It could be worse. Uh, I don't love it. It doesn't move me. I mean, it's, uh, it's a little... You know, they're leaning heavy into the military thing. And, you know, I guess if that's going to be a brand, that's one I suppose a lot of people are going to like. But I mean, my big thing on them is it beats the alternative. So I I was kind of digging on the Washington football team. It had kind of a it was like Sting as a artist, you know, it's, it had a say <laughs> qua without being over the top, but uh, yeah, it could be a lot worse. I mean, it's not a, a particularly, I, in terms of design, I don't know that it's brilliant or cutting edge or anything like that, but I think it's good and it's solid and it certainly fits the vibe they've got going on with Ron Rivera. I know that. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm okay with, I'm okay with safe on things like this. I, you know, I don't like going all the way overboard into some sort of, you know, cartoonish fantasy land when it comes to logos right. and, and mascots and all that. And I think it's, I, I think it's interesting both between them and, and Cleveland uh, of maybe mascots or, or of nicknames that aren't necessarily used everywhere all the time. And I think that the, the logo marks and kind of the representation is more based around you know, the city or the the letters, which I think is more of a kind of a, a soccer vibe, which I kind of like moving away from just cartoony representations of weird parts of society. I don't know. Sure. So. You know, and we went through a stretch in the 90s where every base, every minor league baseball team was the something dogs, you know, the <laughs> diamond dogs or whatever it happened. River to dogs. Be. The river dogs. Exactly. But it's uh you know, it's good to branch out a little bit. I mean, you're right in that. It, it would have also been a mistake to get too cartoonish with this thing. I do remember that once upon a time back in the 90s, there were uh, there was at least one consultant who thought it would be a good idea to name this professional football team the Carolina Rhinos. 
because there was some, you know, alliteration, I suppose, uh, there in the two sounds of the words. And that would have been awful. That would have been, you know, ungodly. So the, the raging rhinos of Carolina, that would have been something. Yeah. Yeah, it would have. Yeah, that would have really been something is what it would have been. That's a whole other podcast. We'll do that one as a special no edition. Um, Darren, since we last spoke to our, our great listeners, the Panthers added a new special teams coordinator and a new mm-hmm. offensive line coach, James Campen, coming from Houston and previously with the Green Bay Packers, and then Chris Tabor from the Chicago Bears doing special teams. Tell us what you know a little bit about those guys. Yeah, these two guys, I mean, I, I think there's been some criticism of the coaching, some of the coaching hires here in the past, because it was a lot of guys coming straight out of college. These two guys are both, you know, legit NFL assistant coaches with a lot of experience, kind of in the same way Ben McAdoo, you know, as your offensive coordinator, as long as he's just calling your plays. I, I think a lot of people around the league think that was a good, solid hire. And James Campen and Chris Tabor. Are, are those guys. I mean, they've been around the league. They've uh, worked in other places, got a lot of respect, and they've performed. I mean, if you look at Chris Tabor, it's kind of um, the standard for special teams play is a calculation come up with by Rick Gosselin, the longtime Dallas uh, football writer. And, and Goose has put together his special teams rankings every year for about the last 30 years or so. And the last two years, uh, Chris Tabor's uh, teams were um, Chris Tabor's teams were in the top ten. So it's um, yeah, I mean it's a good hire. Tabor's good at what he does. He is um, he, he has had big time um, big time return talent mm-hmm. in, in the past, and, yeah. and we'll see how that develops here. But uh, James Campen's a guy, and it's interesting with him, he's got a reputation in Green Bay for turning mid-round picks into productive players and then some. I mean, they've got a pro bowl left tackle in David Bakhtiari, who was fourth-round pick. Yep. And Campen's a guy who helped develop those guys. And it was interesting. When I was down here Senior Bowl uh, this week talking to Scott Fitterer, I mean, we talked about how important that was to add that to the staff because – as you may have heard, the Carolina Panthers may need some help on the offensive line. And while they've got the sixth pick in the draft and could use it on a tackle or something, uh, they've also got more than one job to fill up there. So we'll kind of uh, we'll sort of see what um, we'll see how that develops. But Campen's a guy with a great reputation for both evaluating guys and, and finding guys deeper in drafts and then developing them once they get there. And that's exactly what the Carolina Panthers need because not just the guys that they might draft or add this year, but, but guys that are already on this roster, like a Michael Jordan, like mm-hmm. a Brady Christensen, like a Deontay Brown. I mean, these are still young players who uh, could use a little polish, and, and Campen's a guy who's well-regarded in that. Yeah, for sure. You, you think about everyone just wants to go get the big-ticket left tackle and just call it a day, and yeah. there, there are more than one ways to kind of to do this. I mean, there's a combination, as you just talked about, being able to develop and, and bring guys along and the relationships that he has with players across this league. You know, we, we put out a video um, that NFL Films did with him and you know Aaron Rodgers and so much of what they did in Green Bay um, and the respect that he has uh, with guys is is really well documented. So really excited to see what he can bring to this group as well as 
the the people that they have coming in this spring. So speaking of, you mentioned Scott Fitterer. You also have had time to speak to him uh, down there at the Senior Bowl. We put out a little Q&A on Panthers.com. Jordan and Jake actually referenced it in their podcast earlier today. So see, the people are reading, Darren. Their people are reading. What do you take away from that conversation with Scott that maybe didn't necessarily go um, into the Q&A that people have already read? Well, I, I think, you know, it's easy. I think a lot of people saw that Q&A. And one of the takeaways was, you know, when Scott was talking about quarterbacks and, and he mentioned or I asked him about, you know, given the economic advantage of a rookie quarterback, do you almost have to make sure you don't have that guy there, you know, or, or if you've got a shot at one of those guys, don't you almost have to lean that way? And the answer was effectively yes. I mean, Scott's background, and we all learn from our backgrounds in football, and Scott's is in Seattle where they turned a third-round pick in Russell Wilson mm-hmm. and a lot of good veteran defensive players into a Super Bowl ring with a guy on a rookie contract. So, And Scott was pretty open about you know the fact that if you think one of these guys can be that guy, you almost have to take a shot. Um, I think when people hear that, one of the things they forget is the, if he's that guy Mm -hmm. and the evaluation is very much ongoing and it's, and it's not clear right now if they absolutely are convinced that Kenny Pickett's the guy or Malik Willis is the guy or Sam Howell's the guy or Matt Corral, who's not here this week, uh, but had a great uh, senior season for Ole Miss, if he's the guy and if they, you know, that's the thing. It is kind of incumbent on teams if they think a guy has the opportunity to be the quarterback who can take you to the playoffs, then you might lean that way. But if he's not the guy, you go another direction. And I mean, mm-hmm. last year, Justin Fields was sitting on the board and they went another direction. So read into that what you will about their evaluation of, of Justin. But, you know, you get in that situation and instead of taking – just a quarterback, they want to make sure they're getting the quarterback if they're taking one. Right. And and obviously the the other there's so many other options, you know, from a, a line standpoint, you know, from the offensive line, you know, they've talked uh Scott Fitter talked in his end of year press conference of how important it is to to start your sure. team on both sides of the line, you know, to have that foundation built because that everything else emanates from that. Um and of course when you have the sixth pick if you can if you can turn that you know he talked about that kind of cliff around 16 or 18 of that first round if you can still get a guy that you like in those top 16 18 picks and add picks back in the second and third round um you know he's going to look hard at that too and and obviously what happens in free agency um can influence how all these evaluations go uh this week as as you pointed out a number of times on sure. the site a lot, lot of moving parts, and, it, and it's going to be a fascinating offseason as we go through this thing because, you know, really uh, once everybody gets back from Mobile and then the Super Bowl passes, we capture Super Bowl guys are going to be in for free agent meetings and draft meetings and setting boards and everything and getting ready to go. And really once you get into – um, first week of May or for May. See, I struggle with time. I'm a really <laughs> old person, and I'm – Dare, we need Once to get, you, get you back the, to Charlotte, man. I know. We really do in my own bed and my own familiar settings and time zone. Um, but – once they get into March, yes, March, that's the month after February, and to get to the combine, that's kind of the kickoff to the personnel season in terms of free agency because there's a lot of agents up there, and 
even though you're not talking about deals, people know parameters of what's going to happen once they get up there. So it's uh, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks, that's for sure. Darren, you've been around this league. You've seen every prospect there is. You're an incredible talent evaluator, and you've spent the last oh. three days evaluating talent yourself from the front row. Tell me what you took away from Malik Willis, Sam Howell, and, and Kenny Pickett. Three really, really interesting yeah. features, profiles that you've written about those guys. What are a couple of nuggets that you really took away from those conversations with them? Well, here, here's the thing about Malik Willis. He is, he is short, but he's not small. Uh, I, it kind of jumped out to me that Dan Campbell, the Lions coach who's running the, the team that Willis is on down here, he was like, he looks like he's built to last. I mean, Malik Willis is thick for a six-foot guy. He's 220 pounds. He's muscular. He's pretty dense. And listen, he's got the best arm of any of the quarterbacks down here. It's He can throw 100-mile-an-hour fastballs. And every now and then, one's just a bit outside. But he's got that thing that the the evaluators call arm talent. Whatever that is, he's got it. And he can throw the football over the mountain, uh, big-time strength on throws to the sideline. You can tell why he is intriguing. I, I think in an ideal world, somebody could park him for a year, let him learn an NFL offense. But that's not always the case. I mean, guys who are mm-hmm. drafted in the first round don't always get that luxury. And you know, I, I think if he gets in the right situation with the right coach who can develop quarterback, I think he's going to be really good. I, I think Kenny Pickett is also – I don't know that Kenny Pickett – I mean, Joe Burrow's name comes up in regard to Kenny Pickett because that last year was a huge year mm-hmm. in college. And he went from being kind of a middling prospect to, oh, my God, did you see what so-and-so did? He doesn't have that Joe Burrow arm. Uh, he also has small hands, which you may have heard something about because that's become <laughs> kind of the thing with Kenny Pickett. And bless his heart, he left his hands under the table the whole time we were interviewing him the other day. Just He wasn't going to give anybody any cheap ammunition to make mm-hmm. jokes at his expense. But here's the thing I know about Kenny Pickett's hands. They threw for a lot of yards mm-hmm. and a lot of touchdowns. And Pitt won a lot of games uh with Kenny Pickett at at the helm he is a good player I don't know that he's necessarily that Joe Burrow uh caliber of quarterback but it's kind of weird he's got he gives me Andy Dalton vibes and Hmm. unless people think that's a slur that's a guy who came into a good defense with a stable coaching situation and took a team to the playoffs mm-hmm. a, a good number of times and was a good, solid NFL quarterback for a long time. So that's not a slide in the least. Um, you know, Pickett doesn't have that dominating talent, but he is able to do things. And you saw that this year at Pitt. I mean, the guy made a lot of plays. One of the things I love about him, even though it was dirty play and would get quarterbacks killed, but <laughs> That, yeah. that slide at the ACC championship game, it just speaks to an awareness mm-hmm. uh, of what's around him. And, and when things are getting weird, he makes stuff happen. And that's a positive rather than a negative, even though it's great for every quarterback forever that that's outlawed now. Yep. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just the guys got that it of knowing how to make a play at a certain time. Sam Howe is an interesting case to me. I had a chance to talk to Kevin Donnelly, who knows him from UNC and seen him up close down there about him. And and Howe's also an interesting kid. I, I think if he could have come out a year ago, he would have probably been a higher pick. 
But, you know, he went through a rough season at UNC. You know, four of his best offensive weapons get drafted into the NFL. He's breaking in a lot of new guys on the fly at Carolina last year. And, you know, the results weren't the same. And it was a little bit of the shine taken off Sam himself. But he's also a smaller guy. And listen, quarterbacks, I keep waiting for Dan Fouts to walk out of the locker room. <laughs> they just don't come that size anymore, yeah. all right? Yeah. We don't. We don't see those guys walking into the senior bowl or anywhere else anymore. So hmm. even when you see like Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati down here, he's kind of a tall, skinny kid. Um, they just don't look like they used to look. And I think we just kind of need to accept that. Football evolves over the years, believe it or not. And, you know, Sam Howell's not a great big kid, but he's interesting because he can play and he can throw. He's got a good arm, not a great arm, but he's extremely mobile. I mean, Sam Howell's a kid that can run around and, mm -hmm. and make plays. And, you know, somebody down here compared him to Baker Mayfield, and, and I think that's just because he's short and he's got a beard. Yeah. But um, I, I think that, you know, there is some Russell Wilson to his game. He can move around and, and move pockets and, and do different things with his feet other than just running. Yeah. You know, I mean, he – He's got that knack to make plays on the move. So uh, a lot of interesting guys down here, and it's going to be one of those, you know, uh, what you prefer. Some people like blondes, some people like brunettes. And I, I just think depending on your offensive system, what you're looking for, there are several guys in this year's draft who I think are going to end up being starting quarterbacks in the league. One of the interesting connections with Willis um, – obviously came out of Liberty but started at Auburn and originally from the Atlanta area has a connection to Cam Newton and you spoke to him about that and that was part of your article but we're going to hear a little bit of that conversation you had with him uh, kind of his answer on what it was like to kind of grow up around Atlanta and what he's learned from Cam. It was definitely cool because he went to the Super Bowl like his second year in the league and he came from like 15 minutes from where I was from so that was really cool you know but more than anything, we were all just trying to make our own way, our own name. So it was like, if he could do it, we could do it too type of thing. So, Darren, what, what sort of lessons do you think a guy like that can take when, when you're growing up? I mean, he, he talked about trying to take things from all sorts of quarterbacks, from Russell Wilson, from um, – uh, different Aaron guys, Rogers, Aaron Rodgers, different. Ryan. Yeah, Matt Ryan. Don't, don't, say, don't tell anybody, but he he <laughs> likes the way Matt Ryan plays too. Yeah, um, but Cam, you, you know, know what what did he take away from Cam? You know, he. It's interesting because Cam is Cam was such a force of nature as a quarterback, especially early Cam that you lost sight of the fact that he was also good at learning football and, you know, the work ethic, all those intangible things that you've got to do to be good. Because he was so talented, a lot of that stuff got overlooked with Cam. And, you know, I thought it was interesting that Malik, you know, told me, he was like, listen, a lot of the stuff Cam talked to me about, to us about, was not football stuff. It was how you had to work. And I thought it was interesting the way he said, you know, the, the time you're against somebody, that's 10% of the job. It's the other six days a week you're not playing them when they're trying to get better and you've got to advance yourself too. So it's uh, it, it was kind of a neat connection hearing him talk about Cam. But Willis is a guy, he's kind of – he's also sort of possessed of that. He's kind of got that vibe, I mean, where he comes across as the guy. It's not – too big for him. He knows when to crack a joke. He knows how to talk to people, look him in the eye, all those kind of things. He's got that leadership vibe about him. 
we've spent a lot of time talking about the quarterbacks. For the most part, the top offensive line prospects aren't really down there with you. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, at least those top three tackles. And yeah. the guys we're going to talk about so much, Evan Neal and Charles Cross and, you know, Iquano from NC State, uh, the Charlotte kid, Icky. Um, let's get used to calling him Icky. Icky. And Icky is a big man. And those three are all – those guys are all top ten prospects. Mm-hmm. Legit left tackles for a long time. And, and again, it's going to depend on who's picking where. Those three guys aren't here, but there's a pretty interesting crop of guys – uh, Trip Fanning from Northern Iowa is down here. The the tackle who fascinates me here, and it's because I'm a weirdo, is uh, Fa Lele from Minnesota. He's mountainous. He's like <laughs> 6'8", 384 pounds. He looks like Jordan Mailata a little bit. The wow. Eagles tackle who didn't have a lot of traditional football background, but he is, you know, obviously playing at a high level in the NFL. Uh, and because of him, other mountainous guys are going to get chances. And I'm, and I'm interested to see Falele because he moves well for somebody who's almost 400 pounds. You don't think of an athletic 384 pounds, but that's what he looks like. Now, you know, again, he's not necessarily, I think, somebody you'd take in the top 10 or, you know, I don't want to get into where you'd slot him now, but he's mm-hmm. probably going to go in the first couple of rounds. But he's definitely a guy you look at because, again, even though the Panthers are in a spot where right now they've got a big goal from six to probably somewhere in the 130s when they pick again with that Rams fourth round pick, um, I think it's going to be interesting because they're going to evaluate all of these tackles and guards anyway. And if things change over the course of the spring, if they do trade back, you know, they know they've got an opportunity with some of these guys to – uh, find pretty immediate contributors right. of guard or tackle. So that's what that's what makes it a fascinating week. There's a number of uh, interesting prospects along that line, and we're going to get more into that on Panthers.com later this week. How about I, that? I love it. Darren, let's finish. Uh, we're going to get you back here so that you can get on the right time schedule and figure out the right days. I don't know that if you knew it, but coming in a week in a little bit, we're going to have a Super Bowl. Uh, we now know who's going to be in it. It's not tomorrow, I promise. Don't make plans okay. for, for tomorrow. Woo. It's not then. We we still have some time. I have no guacamole. I don't, I'm unprepared. <laughs> so that leads me to two things. One, who do you think is going to win between the Bengals and the Rams? And two, what is your ideal Super Bowl spread? Uh, my ideal Super Bowl spread is my couch. Um, no, that's uh, <laughs> I, I'm a big guacamole guy. I uh, it's weird for me after watching so much football in exchange for money over the years. I'm not a big Super Bowl party guy. Mm-hmm. Um, or if I am, I'm content to not be laser focused on the game because, again, I you know, we do this a lot for a long time and it's fascinating, but um, sometimes it's good to be in the world. I, I mean, the Rams are gonna win, aren't they? They're just better than yeah. you know. But I, didn't I have we? Didn't we say that the last three weeks against whoever yeah, Cincinnati's we, been playing? We, we probably did, and we were probably correct. And you know, I think it's one of those situations. If the Chiefs and the Bengals played nine, ten times, I don't know that the outcome is the same all ten times. Mm-hmm. And uh, it might have been flipped most of those times. But yeah, Joe Burrow's fascinating. He's got those guys on a run, and they're you know, kind of young and dumb enough to not know what they don't know. And they are um, 
they're certainly believing in themselves and that matters a lot, but the Rams just, they've got too many guys who are that guy. I mean, it's when you get in games, when you've got two weeks to game plan, you know, you think back to Bill Belichick, what he did so well for so long, you, you game plan and try to take the best thing out of somebody's game plan. Well, how do you do that against the Rams defense when there's Aaron Donald up front, when they've got all the pass rushers they've got, when you try to throw the ball and Jalen Ramsey's over there racing half the field. Von Miller? Like, Like what? Yeah. Yeah. What are you what are you talking about? How do we do this? And, you know, they've just got so many guys. And, oh, by the way, Matt Stafford's really good at football. Mm-hmm. He is – he's been a great quarterback for a long time, been stuck in Detroit where he wasn't able to translate into anything. And he's just playing at a really high level right now. I, I think, you know, they are favored for a good reason. I think they're more talented. I think they're well coached. But – Listen, it, it's hard for me to believe the Bengals are going to get blown out of this thing or anything because they're playing so well, too. It's uh, And it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to see Joe Burrow on the big stage, even mm-hmm. though we're still sort of in that COVID world where it's not the spectacle it has been in the past. Uh, but they're going out a couple of days earlier than anticipated, just to sort of soak it all in and, and enjoy the moment. Because I think Joe Burrow being in the spotlight is good for football because he is fun and football should be fun. Do you think it's weird that we've that we went, what, 53 years, 52 years with a team never winning a Super Bowl on their home field and we could potentially get it twice in a row? Sure. Why not? Yeah, I think <laughs> that's, that's my Panther stat of the day, I guess. Yeah. So, so when's the Super Bowl coming to Charlotte? Will? Yeah, I know. We got. We're working on that. We're working on that. Now See, that we, I, we've got a I'm practice weird. field. Now. I, <laughs> I, I don't want to be a. I don't want to be a bad host, but I kind of. I having been to enough Super Bowls, it really makes a mess of your town for about a week and a half, and even a lot longer than that with all the buildup. It's uh, it's a lot of chaos and it's a lot of congestion and it's the world's party and they all everybody wants to come to it. So. Um, I mean, we're hosting, we're going to host a big thing over on 7th and Pecan. Like that's going to be a major hub yeah. for the NFC team. And so, you know, Darren, you can, you can throw down right there outside Crunkleton. No question. <laughs> and, and, and my friend, my friend, Nikki Wolf and I, we've been planning to bring the Olympics to Charlotte for a long time. And uh, that's going on right now. I'm, I'm watching some women's hockey that is being produced by our friend, Mike Bonner. Oh, yeah. And um, I'm all about the Olympics. And when we bring the Olympics to Charlotte, that'll be a good test drive for the Super Bowl. I, I like that. Winter Olympics in Charlotte. It's going to be perfect. Yeah. We're going to all of the mountains in Gastonia. You've seen now, the TikTok. Gonna- They're right there. I know, right? But we're going to create a luge run from the top of the epicenter. <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. It's going to go right down Fourth Street. Okay, Dude. I think we've I think we've lost it at this point. I'm I'm glad to know that you're going to be a normal human this year, as long as you know what day Super Bowl Sunday is. Um, it's the day yeah. before Valentine's Day, just FYI. So plan oh, accor- a lot of plan accordingly and figure out your spread. I may bring some guacamole over just to help you out. Sounds good. Awesome. Thanks, Darren. Get home safe. All right. See y'all.